Brian Foster, and this is the Grindhouse Institute. On each episode of this podcast, Jeremy Floyd and I program a double or triple feature movie night. Each of the movies share common themes, and we discuss them here. We're happy you could join us for today's episode we call Horror on a Train. All aboard the Grindhouse Express! Today our conductors are triple packing our caboose with horror classics. We'll be trapped in moving metal boxes, riding with fellow passengers such as aliens, slashers, and zombies as we delve into the world of horror on the rails. All is well on a Trans-Siberian Express train until passengers start dying by mysterious circumstances. The group must rely on an anthropologist, his rival, and a jovial Cossack to solve the case. Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and Telly Savalas star in Eugenio Martin's Horror Express from 1972. A group of senior year med students board a party train to celebrate the end of college. When some vanish into thin air and others end up dead, the team must locate the killer before any more damage can be done. Jamie Lee Curtis, Ben Johnson, and David Copperfield. Yes, that David Copperfield star in Roger Spottiswood's Terror Train from 1980. A work-obsessed absentee father must take his daughter across the country to the city of Busan. It should be a routine train ride. However, that all comes to an abrupt end as the passengers, along with half the country, become infected with a virus turning them into ravenous creatures. How will this cold-hearted hedge fund manager and his daughter survive if all he cares about is himself? Gong Yu, Ma Dong Seok, and Suan Kim star in Song Ho Yan's Train to Busan from 2016. Thank you for listening to the Grindhouse Institute. Please enjoy. Absolutely, there's a future in it. People gotta come back to rail. I'll bet you read a lot of science fiction. Now think on this. When's the last time somebody built a shopping mall next to a train station? Think about that. Mr. Sue, are you on the train? Yeah, what is it? We've been getting a lot of calls. There was a strike at Ansan Industrial Park. Calls? Look, just tell them I'm in a meeting and put together a report for me. I'll be back before lunch. You got it. Train to Busan, man. I mean, I, I know we, I know. we did it to death, but I'm still shocked. I know. I know. It's it, it sticks <laughs> with you, man. I I I'm just shocked that it like it is as good as it is. Like it, it it's one of those things that just has no business being this good. <laughs> no, like, and for not getting as much like. I don't know, awards season notoriety or like it been a foreign language film something like what? Right. Well, and, and I think it's it's what just that log line or whatever that like, you know, it's like, oh, right. Exactly. Train, never mind. You know, it's going to play with, with the genre folks. And that's great. And like then it'll give them something that, that, you know, they weren't expecting, which is even greater. It won't get the path that Parasite got on just because it, it sort of like is disqualified for being horror. But, but it has a similar like cast system type structure too uh it's totally. got all that like class like things that parasite had right right exactly i mean that's basically the front train was the money train right the uh yeah. the, 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 <laughs> right. The, the big suits and corpos yeah when was snowpiercer was that uh around the this? same time i thought 2015 okay 13 i guess 13 okay so this is post snowpiercer that's also a pretty good train movie <laughs> Yeah. Train movies are good, man. <laughs> yeah, Bong Joon-ho on a train. Yeah, sign me up. May I have your attention, please? KTX 101, bound for Busan, is departing shortly. Please be prepared to present your ticket upon boarding. I have no ticket, and I have to get out of Shanghai. I'm sure I can make it worth your while. The young lady's in trouble. Well, what do you suggest we do about it? I'm sure we can all get along very well together. Hey! Now this is what I call a party! Welcome back to the Grindhouse Institute. I'm Brian Foster, and with me as always is Jeremy Floyd. Hello, and how are you? Brian, look into my red eye so I can absorb <laughs> all of your knowledge. Ooh. Oh, never mind. There's nothing I want in there. Oh! <laughs> not only is it not even a line, it was also a dig at me. No, no, that, that actually was another line. Because at one point he like looks at Rasputin, he's like, "Please take me," and then the guy's like, oh, "There's nothing I want in there." 
I don't remember that already. <laughs> I, I can't believe I just watched that and I don't remember that part. Yeah. Sorry. Are you going to kill me? Fool. There's nothing in your head of any use. It's funny that you called him Rasputin. That's what the name I gave him too as yeah. I was codenaming this movie. <laughs> yeah. The Mad Monk. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, today we're talking, uh, we have the code name of Horror Train Go Choo Choo on my notes right now. Uh, we are talking horror movies as we are now deep into the horror season here of October, Shocktober, if you will. Shocktoberfest. Our Shocktober Octoberfest. Uh, we're going to be talking three train horror movies. These are movies that take place on a train. Uh, we're talking Horror Express. We are talking Terror Train and Train to Busan. Quite quite a lineup here today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I uh, was very pleased uh, with this this block. All of them. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I think we got a winner here. <laughs> I know. I was thinking, and I, I know I texted you before we got on the show, and I was like, I think train movie means good movie because (laughs) there's something about it and i and i thought it was like that perpetual motion or maybe that there's that whole idea that you can't really get off it's almost like you're on a you know the spaceship haunted house and alien you know kind of same idea yeah but i think it's also because you know when they're in the dialogue and they do this a lot in busan they talk about we're in train car 18 we need to get to train car 24 right and so you have an idea of you know what they really have to go through in order to to, to do that to you know survive right. that mission and I don't know it kind of keeps you it gets you a little bit more invested in what's happening I think totally well and and I mean kind of like you're describing it's like in each one of these as the script like moves toward the end like the number of cars that they're allowed to be in kind of shrinks. And everyone has to gather right. further back or further, you know, whatever, yeah. like in different spots of the train. And get in you know, the magic it, show train. It, it, it's a little like the way that, you know, um, they flooded all these different compartments in the abyss or in right. Titanic or one of those things where it's just like you you run out of spaces there because of danger or monsters or whatever it is. Um, and, and, and it's simple uh, when you think about it, right? It's just yeah. blocks that are getting filled or taken out of the out of the picture, right? Or out of the right, story. Right. And it's like you could see the train shortening as it is or see the people moving across. It just kind of, I don't know, it made me feel like I was part of it. Yeah. And then on top of that, it's like there's also places to hide. Uh, yeah. Within this whole thing. It's, it's like constricting enough, but it's also something where it does give you enough space to, you know, find a nook and cranny to, to hide in. Yeah, exactly. Whether it be the uh, the storage car or even in plain sight, right? Like you could technically just kind of get away with things on yeah. the train just by wandering around because everyone's just doing that. It's a it's an interesting environment for, and I think it really works also for mysteries. And I think that's why things like that, uh, right. Murder on the Orient Express, and things of that nature work really well. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the first two of these, uh, so Horror Express and Terror Train, they both operate as kind of mysteries. Very much, a lot of it. Yeah, and very like, much. Uh, and then they also have the plain sight thing where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's the, the, the full on like magic metaphor that's in <laughs> Terror Train. But then there's also like in Horror Express, the, you know, just the fact that you don't know. It's like it's like the thing. Or, uh, oh, it's you know, absolutely the thing. Who right? goes this, there type of thing. Yeah, oh, like totally. You, you don't know like which one is it, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's start to Horror Express. Yeah. What, what turned into, uh, or what started as what I thought was just a run-of-the-mill monster movie, monster in a crate movie, or a precursor to right. shows the crate. Right. <laughs> right. This turned into a much bigger story, more Seriously. complicated, but yeah. still very much easy to follow, but yeah. so much bigger than what it started. I was like, this movie keeps getting better. Like, Yeah, a- incredible. Yeah. Each little layer of the onion they pulled back on this one, it, it got more and more interesting because yeah. right, it, it kind of starts off. You're like, oh, okay, it's a monster in a box. It's like, okay, well, the thing's going to go <laughs> through yeah. the, the train and right. th- they're not going to be able to figure it out. And maybe like the creep show story, the monster would want to keep going back to its crate or, you know, but no, like. Why don't you tell it to it, call you Billy? <laughs> <laughs> that part of it was like, you know, uh, gone within the first like, you know three minutes of that and yeah. like you know as soon as they thaw out this uh so you know christopher lee like gets this huge thing on the trans-siberian express uh and it's a frozen uh, missing link man or whatever yeah. uh from the you know siberian tundra and 
Brendan you know, Fraser. It very yeah. quickly like like starts like having these yeah starts <laughs> having these uh, it's Encino Man starts having these um, weird instances. I mean like even when the guy was trying to steal it or whatever on the on the the dock before they get on the train right at the station. Is that the first one where the guy's eyes like roll back and that bloody sockets and all that? Or is I, that I think I think later? we get that right away. We we get more of the red eyes in people later. And the Lord have mercy on his soul. Not that he deserves it. A dirty thief. A thief? But he was blind. Blind? He could spot a policeman a mile away. I'd be damned. But I think that that was just kind of a bloody eye thing. We yeah. again, we get a ramp up of that uh, effect as well of the red eyes sucking your brains out or sucking your <laughs> memories out, but also just destroying your head. <laughs> you know, right. it was a pretty vicious way to go. Uh, and I thought it would be a little complicated, but I thought it was pretty interesting how they did it. Yeah, well, because it was like, okay, this isn't um, Neanderthal man or whatever it's uh it's it's an alien no but it turns out it wasn't even that it was the alien infected this guy a, who then a presence yeah but he's they like said that they were like protozoa years. and plants yeah. and they were different things throughout like the course of the earth actually growing and and and, and <laughs> right. they were dinosaurs at one point right like because there's <laughs> right. uh i i really like that scene i thought that that was probably the the onion being unraveled there which was uh, quite literally some blood from the eye of this uh, creature. And right. it, it it was similar to the blood test in the thing, right? You, you have this whole scene where you're, you're yeah. doing this experiment and all of a sudden you find out that, no, this thing's been around since pre-dinosaur era. Right. So, wait, <laughs> right. what? And then there's all yeah. these like images of the Earth from space, you know? Right. And it was like, um, <laughs> this isn't just some missing link. But but that part of it is so exciting from like a, a storytelling perspective too because it's like it opens up so many more possibilities than okay this is just a, a prehistoric monster that they've unleashed and then okay so it's this alien force but then it transfers to bodies and like and then there are all these other rules that kind of come up too where it's like oh guess what uh, everyone that I've smooth brained and uh, turned into bloody pulps I can now turn them into zombies and they all got up at the same time (laughs) that was a late rule that they um added you know because all of a sudden he did a little head nod and then the the night king basically woke up all of the white walkers (laughs) it was just like okay yeah george r R. martin definitely saw this movie oh totally it was the same exact thing (laughs) um but yeah i mean that was that that pretty much added the entire army of whoever they killed at that point which was the entire train pretty much yeah yeah yeah, and I thought they were going to have a little more of a badass assassin with uh, our good friend Telly Savalas, but he was able to intimidate the humans, but not the uh, <laughs> yeah. not the not the monster or whatever it was. He had some good scenes though. Uh, yeah, he just seemed like he was kind of playing with this role a little bit. I don't know. That seemed like uh, he he was out of place a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean, it worked because he was supposed to be like a, a Cossack or whatever. And, yeah. You know, like a very intimidating figure, and and he was when he got on there. But as soon as uh, it was like one v twelve with the like monster like ripping through these guys, uh, you know, he didn't stand a chance. But he did go out like a hero. He took he took them all on, and and yeah. I th- then he then change. You see him change, like um, you know, in the right. middle of it. Yeah, and his eyes rolling back. I think they and... kind of did that same thing in Busan. You know, it was that very similar like transformation, almost in real quick real time. Uh, right. In frame, you know. Well, but... also like Busan, like this one had a thing where, like, if it was in darkness, the eye wouldn't work or something. Yeah, 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 and, exactly. And just like in Busan, like you know, yeah. the, the zombies can't see or you Open know doors deal or... with you. Yeah, if they can't see you. God, that was great. You know, like yeah. again, something that you know we're so familiar with is like going through a tunnel on a train, and it's like you're just kind of waiting for that tunnel, and that's your like one <laughs> moment of safety. Yeah. Um, man, Busan's so good. I you know i keep going back to that just because it's a really good movie yeah yeah no totally but i i, I love how uh christopher lee and, and peter cushing are you know start at odds here <laughs> but they do eventually end up sort of teaming up which is a great moment what was in there i told you a fossil part ape part man it lived two million years ago are you telling me that an ape that lived two million years ago got onto that crate killed the baggage man and put him in there then locked everything up neat and tidy, 
and got away. Yes, I am. It's alive. It must be. Speaking of all the little rules there, there was another one where it was um, how the monster absorbs your memories and your thoughts and your knowledge. So it's like, you know, he's going from person to person to like try and get more or whatever to try and, you know, I don't know what, like uh, be able to outsmart everybody. Okay. Yeah. Now he knows how modern stuff works because he, you know, killed the... You know the the guy who manages the like right. storage in the back or whatever. Yeah, and like you know, then he gets the the chief of police or whatever. I need to learn kung fu. You know, go find that guy. You know, <laughs> right. take his memories. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now I know kung fu. <laughs> Show me. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, you think that's air you're breathing through that red eye? Um, the other funny thing was like how I guess one of the rules that didn't quite pay off for me, or maybe I missed the detail, was like. When the monster absorbs the captain of the cops or whatever, uh, the train cops, um, <laughs> he like his his one hand starts turning hairy like the Neanderthal. It man. never changes, and right? It's not like the rest of his body turns into because I was like, oh, okay, so it absorbs him, and then you turn into the Neanderthal, and then like that never happened again. It was just yeah. Like, so I have that as a questionable thing as well in my notes. Okay. Was that so you, you, it was it didn't just, make sense to you either. Okay. No, I think it was just a visual that said, Hey, this guy's the, you know, half monster or, you know, the monster in disguise. And I think that was the one thing that they used to show it off to us. But right. I was like, But why? But, you know, he I, I feel like I feel like he jumped like three or four more times. And still had a hairy hand. And no one else got the hairy hand. Or like the the, the woman got jumped yeah. into and then like the the Rasputin guy and then the Polish royalty or whatever, Duke or whatever he was. Yeah, uh, exactly. The du- Duke and Duchess there in, in the yeah. one car. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I, I did have a problem with that. Plus, <laughs> you know, if there was something that would be, um, I mean, I think it was the eyes that were a little bit more iconic that this thing was, you know, yeah. an alien. Um, but also the alien said that it was just like an energy. Like it described itself as an energy. So it wouldn't even have that hand. Why would that be the one thing that it maintained? Because right. that couldn't have been the last, nor definitely not the first thing that it ever yeah. became, right? Like he was talking to bacteria at one point. It felt like maybe that was something from a different uh, draft of the script, and they just kind of <laughs> like, well, let's, could, let's keep moving on. Listen, we, we only got two more days. We got to keep going. <laughs> I know. I wrote it off in my head as, um, and I can't remember the character's name in the thing, when he's like partially transformed and oh, his right. one arm's like Whoa. that big <laughs> and yeah. they burn him yeah that's kind of what i read that it like he didn't get fully changed or transformed but oh, i don't know i was just i think i was just trying to save that one plot hole because i wanted this movie to be perfect yeah well I, you know not only i guess did george rr R. martin watch this one but obviously john carpenter and um lancaster what's his name bill lancaster right yeah burt lancaster's son right remake of the thing I, I feel like it was kind of combining oh yeah the, the thing from another world with horror express to make the 80s the thing yeah it, I had never heard of this movie until like a few years ago when Joe Bob Briggs had it on one of his shows and uh-huh. you know he was raving about it he was oh my god this is one of the best and how he, he was talking about how it's like in, inspired all this stuff influenced all these movies coming out and I'm like okay and I only got to see part of it and it was you know, with the Joe Bob Briggs thing in the middle. So I got kind of tuned out and, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. not like a full movie yeah. and I, I didn't really get it. But now rewatching it now, I'm like, totally like you could see a ton right. of stuff in here. Um, I mean, it's even kind of a vampire tale. The thing is, it seems like it's almost addicted to memory or like that's its food right, and it's, right. its resource. Right. So it's yeah. got to keep going after that. Um, and the, the interesting thing was when they were doing the autopsies, of the people, how the brains were smooth. What's so special about this brain? Learning and memory are engraved on the normal brain, leaving a wrinkled surface. This brain has been drained. The memory has been removed, like chalk erased from a blackboard. And right. how when they would cut the head open, there were no more wrinkles. They like removed right. the memory <laughs> right. wrinkles in your head. Right. Like I thought it was well, really the, cool. That's how they described it. Now, I, like apparently, yeah. I don't know what. I, I don't think that's how biology works. But I don't it is think funny. so either. Like what's great is though, like like um. <laughs> As like a writing thing, it's it's great because they can get away with it because it's the characters theorizing this, and it's like 1907 or whatever it is. And then on top of that, it's a supernatural force that is doing this thing that's defying all the other you know known laws yeah. of physics and whatever else. Um, but and, and then they, but I love how they described it as like you know memories being erased off the chalkboard or whatever. 
but but that's not quite what it is because it's like it is memories being absorbed off of the chalkboard into the new host or whatever. Dr. Wells and I performed an autopsy on her. Her brain was completely smooth, just like the baggage man's. Everything had been erased. Now, I have a theory about this. I'm only a policeman, Professor. I don't have much education. Well, I'd make it simple. Supposing that creature, the one you killed, was capable of taking ideas directly from other people's brains and transferring them to its own. You mean it sucked other people's brains? Absorbed through the eyes. That was our first clue, the eyes going white. Then, if the beast had absorbed your brains, all of your education would have gone into its brain. It would have been as clever as you. Much more so, because what it had taken from me would have been added to the learning that it already had. And, and if you remember, they visualized that by not being able to write the chalk on the crate. Remember, he's like, the oh, chalk right. won't write on the crate, and he even like tried to wipe, I, and it just yeah. wouldn't show up. There is always a place for the cross. Even on this stone floor, just so. But Satan is evil. And where evil is, there is no place for the cross. Rubbish. A conjurer's trick. It, that was another kind of throwaway thing, but it was like, hmm. Yeah, right. That, that was weird because it was like, you know, yeah, the... The Rasputin guy, uh, the, this mad monk, was you know <laughs> ranting about how it's the thing of evil, and yeah, the chalk wasn't going to work. But I want to serve you. But <laughs> and then yeah, yeah, and then he does that. But then the chalk <laughs> thing, I was like, okay, are, is this going to be revealed that he did fake chalk on purpose or something? Right, and, like a, a a snake oil salesman or one of those like yeah, uh, yeah uh, like the mad monks, right? Like that's yeah. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. He he wanted to have a new trick up his sleeve. This Rasputin character reminded me of uh, the Del Close character in the Blob remake. Um, he's the oh, priest man. that uh, gets the Blob attached to his hand, and yeah. he like disappears from the movie. But all of a sudden, he comes back later on, and he still has the piece of the Blob, and he's like worshiping it, and he has like a cult around <laughs> it, and like he's like going to keep it man, going. I, it's a great. I, I ending. watched it a couple of years ago, and I, I I don't remember that bit. I. Yeah, I, it, it it rings a, a certain bell because I remember there was a, a priest thing, but I, I I mostly remember Kevin Dillon, and then the the guy at the end who I think I think he was kind of came in as a representative of the government. Oh, I'm gonna blow away the blob and nuke this area or whatever, right? What about the civilians? They're expendable. I think this one was more like an epilogue, almost post credit thing to kind of uh, put a button on the horror, you know? Yeah. And it was just like they thought the blob was gone. But no, yeah. Tell Close actually had a little bit, little bit on his hand still. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so he kept that alive. Right, right. When, Reverend? Ma'am? The day of reckoning. How far off? Soon, madam. Soon. The Lord will give me a sign. Yeah, I'll have to revisit that one. I, I, I know uh, people love it more than the original. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a more complete movie, I think. It's probably like when you first saw it. It's like, okay, did you yeah. see the first Invasion of the Body Snatchers as the 70s one or the 50s one? And if 50s you saw the one, 70s, yeah. Yeah. then that's probably the one you like more. Yeah, that's exactly and, what it and is. And vice versa. Yeah. yeah. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor. Right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. I love how, you know, tw- toward the end when things are just really going nuts and some of the faces are, you know, really straining under the pressure of this alien force, It they go full Total Recall face, <laughs> you know, in a couple <laughs> moments. <laughs> yeah, it's like his eyes are bugging out and... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah. This one, this one had um, a lot of eye stuff. Eye stuff kind of bothers me in movies. Like yeah. <laughs> it makes me feel squirrely. And they did yeah. a lot of it. Like it comes in spades. Um, yeah, I think that this one again. I, I like those movies where you know people are being professionals in their profession and they're doing their thing. And Christopher Lee really became, or um, Peter Cushing and Peter Christopher Cushing. Lee both became that that person. 
Um, and I really like the autopsy scenes. I love all the science behind it. When they were going yeah. through the, the slides of different visions that this thing right. had at one point. I mean, that was just incredible stuff. The other woman who was uh, helping him with the autopsies, like she was really great too. And, and she, uh, you know, like those were people that she was very funny. She had nice, yeah. funny moments. Like she's, uh, didn't he say like, uh, are, are you coming with me? She's like, I wouldn't, you know, or something. He's like, for an autopsy. Oh, okay, fine. You know. Miss Jones, I shall need your assistance. Yes, well, at your age, I'm not surprised. With an autopsy? Oh, well, that's different. But she, then she dies, and then you already had, like, a little bit of, like, a nice moment with her, so, you you know, you know, you feel for that one. It wasn't just some throwaway slasher death or monster death, you know? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think we'll, we'll get to this part uh, a little later, but, um, you know, this one wasn't uh, one where you particularly felt too much for these characters. I mean, you certainly wanted Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, when they finally teamed up to sort of overcome this thing. But, it, you know, it certainly wasn't like Train to Busan where you, where you got really no. invested in these no. characters. But, you know, it, it that is setting a bar like uh, of unreal ex- ex- <laughs> unrealistic expectations, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, <laughs> for these types of movies. It's like, this one did did enough, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that it... it, it and it did a lot, right? It did yeah, a ton of stuff, yeah, but it yeah. still kind of kept it all together. Yeah. Um, there, I have a question about the ending. There's a, a final shot where you see Peter Cushing and everyone and the heroes basically looking down over the wreckage of where the train went over the uh, the cliff at the end. Uh-huh. I think they did it with a miniature, but it looked pretty good. Um, but what I, I was all wondering, all the exteriors were a miniature, right? Uh, yeah, except for maybe the very opening shot. Oh, yeah, but I mean, whenever they did, like, the train rolling by to transition shots, they were definitely, yeah, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) uh, uh, a miniature. But it looked cool. Um, But there's a shot, then, of the Earth being zoomed out on. And I didn't know if they were saying, like, oh, this thing got away and it finally got off the planet somehow because it, you know, got launched out of the train. That was part of its plan, though, right? Right, because he kept asking, when are you guys planning on leaving this planet? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That That was my favorite question. He's like, well, what what do you need? What do you need? Well, I need a steel that can withstand some pretty high temperature. What kind of temperature? <laughs> like something ridiculous. Where the hell do you find temperatures like that? Outer space. <laughs> there was some good stuff in this. Totally. This steel at high temperatures, what happens to it? It gets stronger. What temperatures, for example, 10 or 12,000 degrees. Where on earth would you get such temperatures? Nowhere on Earth. Um, well, should we move on from the 19 aughts? 1907, I think, or something yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah, and now, now we're going to go to 1980? Yeah. Does that sound about right for Terror Train? Yeah, well, I, I think they must have started then, because the movie starts four years before the train. Freshman year, baby. Freshman year. All those med students fucking with the the nerds or <laughs> yeah. the pledges, right? The nerd pledge, and so, so I guess 1976 is where we open up. But I'm sure our buddy uh, Jesse Hawkins would appreciate uh, Terror Train, as it was most likely one of these uh, movies that they were making with the tax credits or whatever, right? Uh, in Canada. Oh, okay. So it, it was a movie that was presumably supposed to be taking place in America, but all being shot and done in Canada. But what what's interesting, I for me, I after watching it, I feel like you know what that that cold open of them uh, doing the setup thing. I think that actually kind of spoils some of the the mystery around who's behind all this. You know what I mean? Really? Yeah, because I, I was like, well, it, it has to be that nerdy guy. Now, I couldn't tell you who that person was. That the actor wasn't familiar to me, and the character's name got lost. So, so you know, at the very beginning, the guy gets pranked with a cadaver or whatever, yeah, and he, gets, he twists himself up in the like, little uh, like toilet paper, yeah, in the, <laughs> yeah, in the sheets, yeah, in, in the like you know fancy uh, you know a mosquito netting above the yeah. uh, bed there. <laughs> That's exactly. Uh, and then okay, that person's out on uh, on a revenge tour. But the thing is, I mean, just from looking at the movie, I feel like you could chop that piece off of the front and get started when they when they get on the train and it's like you you get like all you understand is like okay this is a senior trip it's these two you know it's a frat house and a sorority house or whatever on a party train like this isn't a commercial train it's just for fun it's like uh you know a party boat or something like that not only am i your ship's captain i am also your party captain Woo! 
we're gonna get it going here in just a few minutes. And I'm your body captain too, and you are gonna put on your dancing shoes later on. So we are gonna um, rock it. What? And you you get all this exposition, and it gets going, and there's a murder that happens right away, and like. In, and you, in front of everyone, yeah. Right, right. You, you yeah. already understand, understand all the like character dynamics that they kind of put in the beginning. So to me, it, it felt a little superfluous to have that. The only thing that I would say is because there's a callback to him spinning around in the, the netting um, at the end. Like he, yeah. he, when he goes nuts and kind of reverts uh, back to that night. Uh, then I guess you probably do it the way... I mean, because they, they talk about that night and maybe you do little... Flashes? Bits or flashbacks of it. Like, you don't... Through the whole scene right up front yeah and and i also like was one of those Interweave things where it. yeah like it was um very conspicuous how they never showed anything but sort of a full body shot of david copperfield's assistant right from really far away and it's like okay why are they doing it that way yeah exactly you know? <laughs> i mean it was it was really like uh kind of like sticking out the whole time right but i think that I took that as like, okay, they're they're trusting us to find that that uh, where's Waldo and the haystack there, and maybe that's it, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I really like that they <laughs> that David Copperfield shows up in the credits. He's actually yeah. a magician in this movie, <laughs> and he actually no, does. No. He's an illusionist, Michael. This is the magic trick, huh? Illusion, Michael. Mm. Trick is something a whore does for money. He's an illusionist. They're called and illusions. Then, and then he does a full show. For the damn yeah. thing, like it's like a full right. the, like the, three the fan of cards, like yeah, three he's doing decks. close at manage <laughs> and disappearing and reappearing and everything. Right. I was like, this is great, ladies and gentlemen. A magician named Doc. But it felt like the ending of uh, Sleepaway Camp. By the end, um, it was you know the a person dressed uh, as a woman um, that was. Just hiding out uh, in, yeah. in in this uh, or Psycho, you may have heard of it. Psycho. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to the memory banks. There. Was that a movie we covered yeah. on this show? <laughs> I'll have to check my notes. Yeah. Well, you, you might have been confused because when we watched it, it was the actual theatrical cut, uh, and it had. Oh like, yeah, I would never ten would more never frames know what than the, yeah. the than the version we saw a hundred times. This is. I, I don't even know what this is. Yeah. yeah. Um. No, I all the magic stuff was great, and it also yeah. became a great sort of theme throughout the whole thing. thing. Yeah, exactly. Of like the sleight of hand, the like, are you supposed to suspect the magician? I guess because he can just kind of appear in different places and whatever. But also, you know, just again, like all the misdirection and all the little things, and and also because it was like a a costume party. Yeah, it's interesting. It. It felt like uh, another Jamie Lee Curtis movie, Trading Places. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, when they're, they had the Merry little New Merry New Year! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year. In this country, we say Happy New Year. <laughs> Please do help me with my rucksack. Oh, yeah, sure, why not? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it, Jamie Lee was like, "Yeah, listen, I've done this movie before. I, I know what I'm doing here." Yeah, she knows trains. <laughs> Costume parties on a train. I, I know that. Uh, did you hear that they called the mask that the killer was wearing a Groucho mask? But that's not Groucho, right? It, well, yeah, it, it looks more like Richard Schiskel, but like, <laughs> like right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but, dude, that's not when they said that that was. Uh, Groucho, I was like, I don't think so. I mean, it's Groucho the way that Michael Myers' mask is, uh, you know, Captain, Captain Kirk. Kirk. It's like, yeah, okay, that's Captain Kirk. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, that was funny. But how, yeah. how great was seeing Ben Johnson playing something other than like a cowboy and like a really um, rustic, uh, you know, uh, farmhand or something, like as he normally plays in Peck and Paw movies and whatever else. Uh, in this one, as the conductor is like five minutes away from retirement or whatever, and like, exactly, like, he retires tomorrow. Start, yeah, I'm gonna start my boat business or whatever, or RV business or whatever. It was. Stops to tell you a shitty uh, magic trick joke, you know, yeah. like, and then the the jack of hearts comes to the top and becomes a jack of clubs. <laughs> I thought it was cute. Yeah, he he actually uh, he he was probably one of the better performers in the in the movie, to be honest, other than Jamie Lee. Yeah, she was. I yeah. thought she was great in it, um, and she was 
she was a really killer uh, final girl in this. Like, she really fought back, and she even thwarted and used strategy against the killer. You know, she hid and put, like, a dummy of herself underneath some clothes and was able to, you know, misdirect the, the killer at one point. Right, and right. They had They had her do some pretty good stuff. Um, and then I, she kept saying, it's the magician, it's the magician, and I kept writing in my notes. I'm like, too obvious. Yeah. It's not him. <laughs> he, but he looks like Kenny. You know, he kind of had the black hair, and he looked yeah. like the Kenny character. Um, and then I thought Jamie Kenny, Lee was the right. killer for a minute. So I think that this movie was really fun for me because it felt more like a mystery than it was a horror movie. Um, and I did yeah. throughout the entire thing was wondering who I mean, the hell it, was it? it? It's a full on slasher, but it, it's a little like, you know, I, I guess uh, Friday the 13th, like the original one where it's like you, you don't know who's doing the killing. Um, yeah. And, and like, you know, you, you, you do get the same moments with like, oh, hey, you, what are you doing here? And then crack, you know, you're head smashed into the, the glass or you know killed in some other way um like all, all that stuff you know w- w- was pretty good but um to me it, it also felt like the movie started to like lose a little steam toward the end there so it I you know it was a little uneven overall but i you know it was a lot of fun and i think um i, <laughs> I really love all the little weird character moments i mean like you know a lot of times movies like this um don't even bother trying to make characters seem like they have any conflict or whatever uh but you know the whole like you know i guess jamie lee's boyfriend or you know the guy she was seeing or whatever and his relationship with his best friend who's a complete asshole and like the guy was trying to always set people up and you know mo was that his name mo you know i couldn't tell you the guy's name uh but uh he, he was the he was the one who set up the prank in the in the flashback and you know yeah set up some of the crap in the in the train also you know you, you got to give it up for the scene where that guy if his name is mo was like this killer is coming after us we're, we're gonna we're gonna stay in this room trying to do the the thing where it's like if you know the rules of a horror movie you know it's like stay put you know stay safe whatever stay with people and jamie lee's like no get the hell out of here i'm not gonna stay in here i mean our friends are on the other side or whatever and she leaves, he stays in there, and then he starts getting freaked out, freaked out. Paranoia, and, yeah. And, and you think that he's just out of his mind, and like, you know, then the, the killer comes out uh, of a hiding place. But they did a good job of having him look in every single place that you'd think the killer would be hiding, and they set right. it up every every single time for a jump right, scare, right. and then like, nope, not yet, not yep. yet. That right, was a right. really, really well done scene, I thought, um, totally. from a pacing perspective. Yeah. It's a joke. Goddamn practical joke. But uh, I, I I love the little coal apprentice or whatever the hell he was. He was like, yeah, you know, trains of the future. They're absolutely <laughs> going to make a comeback or whatever. And and like you know, the guy's like, yeah, hey, listen, there's never going to be a train in our future. You know why? Because there's no trains that stop at shopping centers or whatever. And uh, strangely enough, uh, if you go through Marfa, Texas, the Amtrak there goes right past, like so. In West Texas, there's just nothing. It's just, it's like no country for old men. It's just like just plains everywhere, the desert, chaparral. Uh, you know, it's like a small tree in the distance, and that's about it. <laughs> and then for a place that has, you know, nothing for 360 degrees, uh, you know, for like 200 miles, there's like, boop, a Prada store. And like, now, really? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the train does go past there. But I, sort of found out later that okay it's just like, like an art installation it's like a place for people to take fucking instagram pictures or whatever Jesus. Just... <laughs> but like when you see it you're like what the fuck yeah that and then really... it's like oh okay yeah it's just it's like a mirage it's a gag yeah, yeah. <laughs> they should really try to you know drum up business i <laughs> Like, just have it be a real store. Maybe be a store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Put a little product in there and sell it. Listen, just go for it, okay? <laughs> you can cook. You can take a shower. You can watch TV. And by God, you can hang a left if you feel like it. Poor deluded boy. Oh, how interesting was it that this movie, speaking of uh, Canadian tax shelter films, this movie was shot by John Alcott. Who's that, you say? Uh, he's the guy who shot almost all of Kubrick's movies. What the fuck? And, and uh, you know. Doesn't feel like it. Yeah, here he is doing this movie. 
directed by you know a future Bond director. But um, yeah, it, it doesn't seem like he was operating on a Kubrick budget. But you know, it's the same guy who shot 2001, Clockwork Orange, Barry Lyndon, The Shining. This movie came out the same year as The Shining. <laughs> Holy the cow! Yeah. I do have to say, though, I mean, I felt like it was shot pretty well and very scary for what, what they're accomplishing and very tight. It felt like it was a very, it was a kind of a dust boot, uh, claustrophobia type feel in that. Totally. In the hallways of that, yeah. Well, because, and I think they were shooting, I mean, they had to be because it was kind of a lower budget movie, but like they were shooting on like a real train. Oh, really? Wow. Which That's means a lot. that like, yeah. you know, unlike Busan and uh, Horror Express, they can't, you know, fly away one of the walls. And they, right. They're doing a reverse shot. Oh crap! All the equipment's on this side now. We gotta have everyone move to the next car. Get the like all that stuff. Like, yeah, it seems like a lot, but um, it did look pretty good for what it was. Uh, oh, but for it sure. was just I was surprised that like this is the same uh, guy as Kubrick's favorite uh, DP. Listen, thank you very much. Would you, would you like a joint? Yeah, I wouldn't mind one. Go Could ahead, I... help yourself. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you very much, boys. And I was uh, wondering why at the end the killer had a different mask on, but I, I'm assuming it was supposed to look similar to the corpse from the beginning prank. Um, so I kind of got lost there because it was Groucho, 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 and all right. of a sudden there's an old woman mask or like an old person mask on. Oh, right. You know, I, I think that was supposed to be part of the uh, the master plan of... Uh, right. It's like his, his seven master plan. The revenge. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think we should get into the Busan. We should. Um, holy cow. This movie. Wow. I mean... Yeah, I, I could see why something like this got such great accolades and everything. It's such a better movie than any other horror movie that ever preceded <laughs> it, I think, just from like a a character standpoint. It, it really was. I, I was. I was trying to think about that the other day. Like, the audience goes into a horror movie expecting certain things and not expecting other things. And this delivers on both. <laughs> this delivers on both. And, and, and yeah. I, I think... I um, was at uh, Be Kind Video uh, a couple days ago and uh, was talking to one of the guys there. Not one of the mats, but uh, a friend of one of the mats. Anyway, and we, we started talking about Pet Cemetery and how everyone was kind of disappointed in the adaptations. And that is from the perspective of someone who's read the book or whatever. And, and you know, then we got, we tried to break it down. And it was like part of it was that the book is so sort of tragic in the way it comes together. And maybe that's too much, you know, investment in character and walking out feeling bad and sobbing out of Pet Cemetery. Maybe that's not what the audience wants. Uh, and I, I was trying to, I was thinking like, okay, maybe, maybe that is true. Like maybe it's just oil and water. If, if you go in wanting a roller coaster, you, you don't want, you know, uh, a tearjerker. Yeah. And uh, as it turns out, it can be done. And uh, Train to Busan uh, is that movie. Yeah. And, it, it's wild because I had heard of this movie. I was aware that there was a Korean zombie on a train movie. It, it, it's a K-zombie movie. How, how does that minimize this movie? You know, saying that. <laughs> it's one of yeah. those K-zombie movies yeah. on the train. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was like, okay, so we all know sort of what a typical zombie movie looks and feels like, especially sort of post-Walking uh, Dead. And... You know, um, before going any further, one thing I really, really appreciate about this, when they got to the zombies in, in this this show, in Train to Busan, they never lingered on the, like, like mm. you know, zombies, like, doing stuff. It's like, you, you got just enough of them, and then we're back to the characters, and having to, um, you know, feel it the, from the character's perspective of, of what they're dealing with, and it really, really speaks to how much you cared about so many different people, like not just the sort of main characters, the, the sort of father and daughter, and not just the sort of secondary characters, the sort of pregnant woman and her husband. The parents to be, yeah. But but even the like, you know, girlfriend the baseball and the team. baseball player yeah. and, the, uh, and some of the baseball team and yeah. how much, uh, you know, just like Night of the Living Dead, you hated that. Uh, that COO of the railroad, whatever yes, he was. Exactly. That son of a bitch. We need to get to uh, Busan. We need to get to Busan. <laughs> and, and then, you know, they even tried to like turn the corner on him too because it was like, no, my mom's in Busan. I need to see my mama or whatever. And like, you know, 
they gave you just enough to humanize him, but not enough to like uh, feel like you know his actions were justified in any way, you know, right, uh, and that kind of thing. But but they did make him a final boss, and you know they put him in, in, in at the end there and with like the final uh, yeah. battle with the last car. And I thought that at least he got like that kind of uh, an ending. It was satisfying from us because we hated him so much. Right, exactly, and they just did such a good job of like of all the things like all, everything you'd want out of a zombie movie and a train movie a they movie did all that. yeah you you know you're you're not going to uh, it's not going to disappoint the horror fans um and then on top of that they took it to the next level with getting you to give a shit about the people that this horror was happening to uh, uh, giving to give a shit about a guy that whose whole character says you shouldn't be nice to people. Be mean to people. Yeah, yeah. Right? You shouldn't yes. care about people. And, 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 then, and then on top of that, there's the next level of, like, person we follow the most through the, through the story, which is this, like, you know, hedge fund manager, blood-sucking parasite asshole, uh, as he's uh, described uh, several times and shown to be several times. And, you know, his first scene is, like, him getting a call from his boss saying, hey, sell this sell, stuff. Sell, he's sell, like, sell. He's like, hey, isn't this going to cause a problem? And then he has to tell his boss, you know, yes, you're right. I work for the company. And then he gets his underling to come in and the and shit trickles the downhill. Exact baby. Same speech happens. Yeah. The shit and just rolling on to the next exactly. person. And, and it's like later in that phone call, I, I think they said something about how like, you know, this wasn't our fault. Was it? We were just following orders or whatever. Right. They, they go full Nuremberg defense. Yes. Right. And we were just following orders. Yeah. Following orders. Right. Yeah. And, and and anyways, what's great is like you know his character arc going from being you know the shittiest guy in the world who, as his daughter says, like only cares about himself, to having that fortress like punctured and just like brought down and having him go the opposite direction, what what was so satisfying, and how it happened very slowly too, like it you know even after people. Uh, showed him the kindness that he wouldn't show others like and that whole thing like it it wasn't enough it wasn't enough it wasn't enough and like you know but it was the thing where it was like being chipped away at throughout the whole thing and then you know of course this thing did at the very beginning what a lot of movies about uh, shitty absentee you know career-minded dickhead parents do which is like oh you didn't show up to your kid's recital and you already know, bought her um, the uh, Wii U. You, you already, yeah, exactly. <laughs> For Children's Day. Yeah. <laughs> I love how, uh, I love how uh, you know, it's, it's definitely not an American thing, but, you know, several other cultures have Children's Day, and it's like, you know, <laughs> when is it not Children's Day? Right. But uh, l- let's uh, let's not stay on that point too long. But, um, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it's funny. Exactly. Like, he, he just completely has no idea what, what his daughter, uh, what, what's happening in her life or you know, what she wants or, or any of these things. And, you know, to further express that, it's like, oh, you know, the parent doesn't attend the soccer game. Uh, you know, that that's uh, in hook. And, uh, you know, any other situation like that where you have a parent who's too busy being corporate and, you know, can't, um, you know, uh, see their kids growing up. Um, but it, it sort of didn't stop there. It, it, that, that was just the very first, like, sprinkling. And then, you know, we kind of get, much later on when shit had been hitting the fan and it's like the, a small scene between the daughter and the father and she talks about how she couldn't finish that song because he wasn't there and they, it was it was for him and it's like ah oh, damn it it got yeah. me like like yeah. that moment you're like Gut. what is happening right now oh yeah and then the song coming back in the very end when they're like <laughs> in the tunnel killed me it's yeah like, I was oh like, yeah unbelievable man. how did they do this <laughs> Yeah, that whole ending is like uh, like poetry. It's really yeah. well done. It, it, it's it's wild. It's wild. It's like for for being as sort of competent in all these other things, it's the type of thing you wouldn't expect. Um, like I said earlier, it was just like you know, if you can do the horror this well, you, you don't expect to do the the drama this well. And and it is kind of like what I was expecting from Frank Darabont in mm. you know like The Mist and and in Walking Dead and whatever. Uh, t- to me, it, it fell short on, on both fronts. Like the horror wasn't as exciting and the, the, the sort of drama wasn't as exciting, but, um, in the mist in 
both actually the mist oh, okay. and in uh walking, walking dead, dead. Mm-hmm. uh e- even the stuff that he was ostensibly in charge of which is just season one i think first, but anyway. first season yeah but um but this one absolutely did it and you know like i said it had all these different like pieces to it and what's great is like there were sort of you know two big corporate assholes on the train you know the 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 dad and then like the coo guy and you know you saw how through different circumstances the dad was able to tear the calluses off his heart and you know become a human again and then the other guy you know is so um so much of a prisoner to fear and everything else that uh you know, he was like, yeah, they're gone. And like, and he like pushes that guy out the door and like has him get eaten so he can run away. And like, yeah. All those things. Oh my God. Yeah. Using somebody else's, uh, the bait <laughs> or whatever. Yes. Um, plus that COO guy had a lot of power even on that train, that entire train car that he was in, everyone was still on his side yeah. and they wouldn't let, you know, any outsiders in, even though those outsiders were literally just from a train car away. And they're like, no, they're probably infected. They're, you know, quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. Let's yeah. let's keep our train car safe. The second they move out of that train car, boom, the the thing, you know, the door opens, the zombies are let in and the entire train car is is wiped out in like one one shot, you know? Right, like, exactly. I, I thought that was really satisfying, even though you didn't see the gore or any of the violence happening, the silhouette of everything happening against the, the uh, glass. Yes, uh, the, right. Yeah. The, the window, yeah. Yeah, it's like the um, frosted glass, like right. you can't really see <laughs> right. through. Oh man, that was so strong. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, they um, with such little screen time, those two older women who are sisters. Oh my God. I love them. They're able to put them in a place where it's like, you understand why that woman opened the door. That's what happened. That's, that's how that went down. Yes. That's the scene. She's like, she was just going to get her sister, right? She was trying to like let herself in through and And, and she's like, kind of like, as she's like shuffling toward the door, she's mumbling to herself about how her whole life they had um, this different relationship. You're the one who does this. I'm the one who does that. And you idiot. Good riddance. Always helping others, but never helping yourself. Why do you have to do that? What was the point? Why bother? You're so stupid. Thanks. Thank you for everything. Somebody stop her! It was just, you know, so well wrought. I mean, like even like little scenes where it's like, the uh, cheerleader or whatever she was, the, the girlfriend of one of the baseball players. The booster, I, I thought she was, yeah. Hey, what are you doing here? Let's just say I'm your cheerleader. Maybe she was joking about being a cheerleader. I, I don't know. Anyway, um, she gets on to the train car at the front uh, after they've stopped at that midway station and assumes that everyone on the baseball team is dead and like then finally gets a phone call and, like, when she does, you know, she's like, her voice is cracking. She's like, you know, screaming at him, like, I can't believe you're alive, or whatever. And e- even that little moment, like, they took the time to, like, right. you know, h- hit those notes just exactly right. Cause, like, that's something, if that actress isn't feeling that scene or just isn't up to the part or whatever, or like, uh, perhaps just one or two of the lines are slightly different, like, she's not nailing that, you know, being able to catch her, her breath and everything. And like, you know, like panicky, choking back tears and panic. And it's just so, um, you know, humanizing in that moment that like there are things that in other horror movies, other exploitation movies, whatever, like they can kind of gloss over because it's like, you know, on paper as they're putting this thing together, it looks like, well, okay, you've got some sort of people with a relationship or, you know, family connection or whatever. And like, that's good enough as a shortcut. We don't need to do this extra work. But when you do that extra work, all of a sudden the movie becomes a lot more thrilling. You want those guys to get to the front of the train. Like you care about them way more because of who's up there waiting for them and, you know, all these other things. Yeah. And this is probably one of one of the biggest surprises I've ever had on the show. Like just like a movie I hadn't seen. A movie I was aware of and wasn't too excited about just because I was like, you know, if it's a zombie movie. It's a zombie a, movie. One yeah. of those K zombie I've movies. seen a zombies. Yeah. Uh, you know, and um <laughs> <laughs> and whatever and, but like you know even though i kind of like am a sucker for train movies it, it wasn't one of those things where, where i would have watched it on my own um you know and so 
so uh, so glad we did on this show, and and uh, it, it was <laughs> glowing praise. Yeah, here. <laughs> it really is. I, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm so uh, impressed with it. You know, I I'm, I'm still like uh, shocked by it. I mean, I I haven't seen any of the other movies that this uh, person has done. The sort of writer and director of this one, and man, I'm gonna butcher his name, Yon Sang Ho. Actually, sorry, he did not write this one. He just directed it. Uh, Park Ju Suk is the one, or Suk or whatever, uh, was the writer. Hmm. I think there's a follow-up movie to this. I think it uh, was pretty successful. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I, and I heard it's not so bad. It's <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like normally I wouldn't, but uh, now I'm kind of like I'm kind of curious. It's interesting. See, see, see if they yeah. could lightning can strike twice type of thing. Right. But uh, yeah, it was I was really blown away by it. Um, and what's great is like you know. The other two movies were very good about mostly staying on the train, and it's it's kind of like the locked room mystery that like you're kind of stuck on it. Like what was mm-hmm. kind of interesting about this one is like, you know, ninety percent of the movies on the train, but they do get off and on at certain points, mm-hmm. and it feels very organic when they right. are doing that. Like it, it's not like they're sort of bound to the idea that like it has to be in one location or something it's like it now it, it, it felt like just very organic to the stories what I'm trying to remember say. their their first safe train station that they get to and the entire yeah. army has been turned right. already and right, they, right. all of a sudden these soldiers They're just like don't come worry that the army's oh. gonna be there to help you guys and you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no sorry how, how great was that moment where he like was like reached around grabbed a book and like jammed it in the zombie's mouth or whatever awesome. so i couldn't bite him <laughs> that was awesome and then he pulled his coat over something i mean well, that was always great it was like you know they were always having to like think on their feet and invent new ways to deal with the zombies. They defended like, their arms with yeah, the with wrapping the, so they didn't yeah. get bit. Like that was smart. That was kind of a Walking Dead thing. Yeah. And and yeah and and early on, um, the, the the pregnant woman put her water bottle all over the glass and they put newspaper up so they couldn't see through it. That was so awesome. And, and they like, all chilled out. Do it out. again. And you're yeah. like, wait, there's no more newspaper. Oh no. Exactly. And they're like, you know, when, when they're on the one train car and the, and it's like them versus one zombie like okay where are the weapons oh god there's nothing left and like you know it's like what do we do here <laughs> they always found a way to kind of like just escalate the like yeah. the danger with each one well because I, and i also think it, it has to do with like how well the thing was put together they didn't have you know they could have had some wrestling with zombies and to try to get through one of these cars and to do like the normal everyday like blocking a zombie but they don't they turned this into like an old boy side dolly tracking uh, fight <laughs> yeah. scene between all yeah. these zombies you know and um the the father to be was just a badass in yeah. those scenes right he right. was like a he really like a warrior and, yeah. yeah well and and that, that was what i was gonna say too was like speaking of keeping it fresh like you know each car that they went through they had to approach the tactics yes. a different way and sometimes they had to crawl across the top and sometimes they, they you know that they was were, a like, great scene creating distractions and waiting for the tunnels again and when yeah. it went dark and they were crawling along the luggage rack there right like, right that was scary the way that they yeah. shot it too it was like that low corner angle so it yeah. looked very wide and they were just you know inches away from the yeah. zombies <laughs> yeah <laughs> right, right right well and, and and because the zombies had the weakness of you know, um, if they can't see them or whatever, they were they, dumb. They were yeah. really dumb in this. Like I, I thought it's, that was it's, interesting. It's like they can't smell. They can't. You know, it's like th- th- there's not like here an inherent. Uh, yeah, exactly. But um, you know, there are vulnerabilities to them that right. can be exploited. But it's you know they're not easy to overcome. I, I thought they wrote them in fine too. Like they just wrote them out right away. The rule it was like all of a sudden the door was closed and they're holding it. They're just like let the door go. I don't think they can open it. And then all the right. door wasn't going to open, right? All you needed to do was close it in their face. Right. Because, like, you know, the doors sort of slide left to right, but, like, the zombies are pushing on it. Right. All they know is forward momentum. Right. And, like, and they're like, well, they can't figure that out. Okay, great. So, perfect. And then, like, they put the newspaper up and they were good to go. Yeah. Then you, now you've got your, your human moment again that you're back into. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> kind of want to watch it again. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> May I have your attention, please? Due to the current situation, this train will not be stopping in Chona. For your safety, please remain in your seats. I, I think um, it's also worth pointing out. I mean, like, so the the son from uh, Parasite was in this, but like other than that, I I didn't really recognize anybody. I I think the. Um, is he the was he the main uh, corporate guy, corporate dad? 
No, uh, no, he he was the the baseball player with the girlfriend. I want to say that the main um, protagonist was in uh, Squid Game. Okay, didn't see that one. Uh, but oh, uh, Jeremy. Okay, yeah. is it <laughs> is it a, is it a TV series or is it a movie? It is. So yeah, I mean, it, you'd have to you know watch a series, but it is. <laughs> it's really good. It kind of reminds me of this, you know, it's all yeah. about the human bullshit that's going on and but there's just some wacky things happening on screen, you know. Right. I mean, I I heard it was good. I was just uh Oh yeah, I think you'd love you it. You know, I I I'm trying to limit my uh my series intake at this point. Uh and it's like, you know, everyone's like, "Okay, you got to watch this. You got to watch that." You can um, never catch up with it all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but um, yeah, he's he's an excellent actor. Um but I did want to talk about the performance of his daughter at the end um yes her scream uh her just not really coming to terms right away that her dad was gonna go uh after his hand is bit and she knows that he's gonna go and he tells her that you know stay with this woman stay with the pregnant woman she's gonna take care of you now and but that's it that was the hardest thing i've ever had to see and hear (laughs) Um, but from the poetic side of it and the cinematic side of it, seeing him change, have all these memories flood through him of his daughter and all of these good times that they actually oh, had right. together yeah, yeah. and everything they, was kind of They coming. went full like tree of life there. Right, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he, as he's yeah. completely transforming. But oh. then all they don't show him die. They just show the shadow, the shadow of, of him it, fall yeah. off the train. Holy. That oh, was great. <laughs> well, and, and then Fire. just like the sort of final shot of her like, Belting out that song, just in, you know, sobbing. Uh, Kim Suan was uh, incredible uh, yes. in this movie, which is yes. the, the daughter. I would like to see her in more because, and I'm. It looks like she's been in some more. Um, she is excellent. Oh wow, this movie was 2016, huh? I had no idea it was that long ago. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It feels pretty recent, but I mean, it, it, it's, it's definitely recent for our show, but uh, yeah, know, exactly. It's, uh, it, it, it's been a second. Well, have we, uh, have we reached the station, Jeremy? I think so. This is it. Uh, final stop, everyone off. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to uh, reiterate how I think the train movies are great. We've watched on this show Taking of Pelham 123, great. Oh, yeah. We watched The Train, great. Yeah. <laughs> right? We've watched these three films, all of them, all Lady were great. Vanishes. Uh, Lady Vanishes as, as on a Strangers train. on a Train. Strangers on a Train. Like every one of these, we are batting a thousand for train movies right now. <laughs> That's true. We've never done a bad train movie. <laughs> I know. I mean, I guess you could you could put an argument out there that Terror Train wasn't up to snuff with, with these other two films, but... There was a lot to live well, up to with these other two. They like, were a high bar. I mean, I trained to on too. It's just, I mean, it's exactly. Maybe someone can think of it. I can't think of it right now. Like uh, of another horror movie that hits at this level. I mean, Not there like are some this. that like, um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we were talking about the thing. I mean, I, that's very satisfying in a lot of different ways. But it, it, it doesn't uh, tear your heart out the same way. I mean, it's like. It's crazy. You care about the guys in the in the outpost, but not yeah. like this yeah. little girl who's about to lose her dad, <laughs> right, right, and be forced to live with a stranger. Yeah, uh, good stuff. Yeah, we're we're banned a thousand on on uh, train movies. I, I have a soft spot for them uh, m- myself, so maybe that's a part of it. But um, it's also something where you can uh, really put all the ingredients in the gumbo and let it cook because uh, it's you know a, a closed room thing, but you're still moving. You're still going to different destinations and you know it, it's a really good format uh and it turns out also for horror Larry, come on everyone out of the cabin now let's go out of the cabin let's go move it come on conductor we have a situation sir violence broke out in the cabin all right next time we're going to be talking horror society all right, horror movies yeah. that uh, take part in, I guess, what subcultures of of society, or, or no, play or like a satirical role in the. We look at our society through the lens of horror. I love that, um, and we've got a great one here um, of the three. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. The stuff, <laughs> uh, society. That's Brian Usner, right? I've never seen that movie, but yeah. I've heard about the melting flesh orgy, and uh, <laughs> Satanic Panic, which is a fairly newer one. 
Chelsea Stardust film. Yeah. Um, so, and I haven't seen that, that one like yet. 2019, so. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty fairly recent again on this show. That's basically yeah. came out yesterday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. but yeah, that should be a fun one. Yeah. It, it'll be a, an interesting examination and, um, you know, these are all, um, well, it, at least the eighties movies are, are sort of cult classics at this point. Uh, satanic panic. I saw in the theater, um, and, um, it must have been a real short run there, but because um, I feel like it was right before our good friend the pandemic started kicking off, um, and so, so maybe it hasn't had enough time to uh, build up the same uh, cult following cult. as the other two. Yeah. Uh, but I'll just say this: they they did a lot of uh, practical effects. Oh, good! In this one, so excited to see that. Yeah, yeah, Society and Satanic Panic; those are two I haven't seen. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, All right. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe and follow us on all the podcasts and social platforms at the Grindhouse Institute. And if you really want to give us a boost, check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It helps us to get noticed. Thanks so much, everybody. We'll be back next time. Ciao. She's really beautiful, that old engine. They don't make them like that anymore. Thank God for little favors. You're going to see a train on the cover of Time magazine one of these days. I'm going to be in that cab in the picture. I'll be up in the Concord and you'll be on welfare.